We've been shaped by stories our entire lives. When we were younger, they were read to us at bedtime. They come from our teachers in class and friends in hallways. We see them in our favorite movies and TV shows. We relate to them, visualize them, and share them. Jesus understood this and chose to teach through stories. We've been shaped by stories our entire lives, but the stories told by Jesus were meant to give us life. His stories were called parables. Come on, this sermon you need to have as a foundation, okay? This is the last parable in this series. There are 23 in Matthew. I did three. This one's in Luke. We'll probably pick this up again, but this is about the prodigal son. But I'm going to show you some things maybe you haven't seen. What does prodigal mean anyway? I always thought prodigal was a runaway, backslidden person. But prodigal means a person who spends uh, money and spends frivolously, foolishly, just blows money left and right. And so that could be some of us in this room. Could be prodigals. It's not mean backslidden. It just means you get a dollar, you spend in a dollar ten. You know. And so, so we got we got to be uh, diligent with what God gives us, even money. And so uh, we're going to read this and talk about this. The prodigal son. Uh, was an abuser of grace. Now, you know, I, I talk about the dispensation that we're in right now. This time that we live in is grace. We live in the time of grace. Now, when Jesus coming back, he's coming back, and he, we're going to talk about him taking over. He's going to come back and take over. And then it's not going to be grace anymore. We're going to be obedient but, but we have to line up, and it's God's grace and mercy is why he, doesn't, he hadn't already killed me, okay? Because we all have sin, but wait a minute, we're under grace. We're under the blood of Jesus. We've been washed in the blood. We sang a little about it. Cody picked those songs, and he's off on vacation and going to songwriting school and stuff like that, but he'll be back next Sunday. But uh, come on. We need to realize that we're the children of God today. The, the whole thing is that we're sons and daughters. When the Bible says sons, it includes the ladies, daughters too. When it says man, male and female, he created them, man. We're in the race of men, but we're also sons and daughters, okay? Say, I'm a, I'm a, child, of God. I'm a child of God. Come on, that means you're in the family. Come on, there's a place at the table for you. Come on, there is a table, but he even prepares a place at the table for you in the presence of the enemies. So there's a place at the table for you. God has established you to be his child. He's established you. You have a future, an inheritance, a loving father who gives you a good home. See, so we start, well, I don't have an inheritance, Pastor. No, we're talking about heaven inheritance. We're talking about heaven's your home. We're talking about the things that God has promised you, but guess what? You can have those things in this life if you start doing diligently the Word of God, if you start applying it to yourself. I remember reminded about this preacher who used to come. He wasn't very big, but he was all, woo, you know, 
And he, uh, he, he didn't know anything. He just got saved. And they was going back when I was a kid. You can go in any church in America. And they went in a Catholic church, and they was teaching him about, you know, what the Catholics believe. And he said, this is holy water. And he said, they sprinkle it on you. He said, I want some of that. And he was splashing water on him. They had to run him out, you know. He didn't know. He just wanted everything God had. And, you know, we need to be that way, too. We need to be, God, if it's for me, I want it. He's prepared a table. You got to eat. I say that about every Sunday because I don't think we're eating. Looks good and smells good, but it's not for me. You know, there was that one kid there, you know, he talked too much. He said, hush, that's none of your business, they'd tell him. And somebody made this big old pie, and he goes, ooh, that pie looks good, but it's none of my business. <laughs> he was wanting a piece of the pie. Let me get going here. So uh, just like the prodigal son, we think we know better, and we squander the grace of God. We need to be diligent with it. And uh, we need to recognize where we're at, what we're doing, and change where we need to change. Amen, amen? And so we're going to read it a little bit. And uh, uh, before he, we're going to Luke, if you got your Bible, turn to Luke 15. We'll start really diving in at 11. But I want to read, I want to read, just bounce through it real quick. Because this whole chapter is about uh, the lost sheep. He left the hundred to go get the one. Uh, the lost coin, the lady had a coin necklace, she lost a, it doesn't say that, but that's what, you know, church history tells us that they wore necklaces and, and it had coins that represented family and things like that, and she searched for that coin high and low, and they both rejoiced uh, when they found the lost sheep or they found the, the coin, they were so excited, and, uh, uh, but I want to read the first three verses, it says, for all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him and to hear him. Tax collectors, sinners. Now, some of you sitting in here and you have a sinner mentality. You need to be running to Jesus. It's enjoyable, even if you're a sinner, to sit with Jesus. Well, I'm, you know, would you like Adam and Eve? You're running and hiding. You know, here you are hiding from God in, behind a bush like nobody can see you, like God can't see you. Run to him, not away from him. Run to him no matter what. No matter what, run to him. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable, three parables in this one chapter. And we always think, well, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. No, he's talking to them about God goes after those that are lost, and God's going to have a message for them. Jesus has a message for them as well. So let's begin reading in verse 11. It said, a certain man had two sons. Everybody say, two sons. Two sons. sons. Okay. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. Say them. Okay. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted. This is prodigal living. He wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine, a severe famine in the land. 
and he began to be in want. Let me just stop right there. As long as you got money, you're going to have friends. <laughs> They're not friends. But see, it's when you're without. I had this young man say, Pastor Brett, I, I spent all my money. I don't have money for rent. And he goes, I, I need help. I said, what happened to your rent money? He said, well, the day I got paid, everybody showed up. And we started having fun and, and, and this and that. And I got a new tattoo. And I'm like, man, you can't eat that tattoo. And that tattoo don't pay rent. But see what happens? Everybody showed up and talked him into this and talked him into that. I said, you, don't, you didn't have any money. Your mentality is, oh, I just got paid. I got money. No, you don't. That money's already divvied out. It's rent, electricity bill, gasoline to get back and forth to work. Now I got $5 left over. Let's go do something. I'm just teaching. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good here. Okay. And so, uh, in verse 15, then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. I don't know about you. I've fed a hog before, and I do not want to eat none of that. And so, uh, and he sent, and he gladly would have filled his stomach with the pods, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, come on, say came to himself. Let me, let me just state right here. Until you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, you got to be sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of the way I'm living. I need some change in my life. I want to live different. I, it's time for me to start serving God. And see, that's the key. A lot of people like laying in with the hogs, you know, wallowing around in the muck and the mire. Come on, Jesus, the Bible says Jesus pulled us out of the muck and the mire and set us on the rock. He is our rock. And so, and so when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. And then he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, and you got to love this, his father saw him and had compassion. He'd been looking for him. The father's looking for you to come back if you're away. The father's looking and he's waiting. And so... He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy uh, to be your son. You know, he had all this, this all written out. You know, I'm going to say I'm, I'm no good. Just, just let me be a hired servant. And the father won't let him finish. He interrupts him. And I want us to look. We're going to look today to three things the father gave him. Okay, we're about to read this in just a minute. And the father said, said to him, <clears throat> or he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and no longer and in your sight, and no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe. There's one. Bring, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. That's two. And the sandals on his feet. That's three. And let's, let's keep going. Verse 20, 22, but uh, verse 23, and he bring, and said, bring the fatted calf here, kill it, and let us eat and make merry. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to, to be merry. Let's stop right there, and, and we're going to dive in. And, but before we do, I want to lay some foundations because th these Scriptures are already in the Word, and we just don't hear them. 
Matter of fact, everything we said, we just sang about. Let me ask you, can God do anything? Come on, God can do anything, can he? How about God sent Jesus to die for you, for you to be a son and a daughter, for you to be forgiven? Can you forgive yourself? The Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love yourself, you're not going to love God. If you don't love your neighbor whom you see, you can't love God whom you don't see. But key is you got to start loving yourself. You're so good that God sent his son to buy you. Remember the first, remember two Sundays ago, we did, you're a treasure. Jesus came to buy you. He sought you out and bought you because you're a treasure. Well, Pastor Brad, I'm not a treasure. So Jesus died for nothing. I know it's a little harsh, but you got to wake up. God calls you treasure. See yourself as a treasure. We're not talking about being cocky. You know, I'm a treasure. You, know, I, you are a treasure. Hey, you're a treasure. Now smile at somebody and say, I'm a treasure. Come on, smile at them. Use your good tooth. Come on, smile at them and say, I'm a good tre- I'm a treasure. I mean, all Come on, help me out here a little bit. So number one. No, 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 let me, I'm going too fast. In John 8, 35, it says this, No longer do I call you servants. The son was trying to go and just be a servant. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, and I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Not only are we brothers to Jesus, he's our savior, he's our king, We're his princes, we're his family, we're his brothers, but we're friends. And Galatians 4, 7 says, therefore, you're no longer a slave, a slave to sin, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Say, I'm an heir. I've got an inheritance. Heaven's my home. I'm an overcomer. Ha ha, by the blood of Jesus. You know how ha-ha was for the devil. You need to do that. John 15, 15, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. And I already read, I read, I read that one. Yep. And so my point is, is we've got to get it. <coughs> We're not serving God to get into heaven. We're sons and daughters. We're already going. We serve because it's fun, because, hey, we just want to bless the Father, and He tells us what to do, and, and, and we'll talk about that. So no, number one, the robe is the robe of righteousness. Come on, this is the, the only family gets the robe of righteousness, and we're family. Righteousness means right standing with God. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't care what you feel like. You're right with God because of Jesus. If you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you automatically are right with God. (coughs) Excuse me. Well, you you don't know what I did. It don't matter. You don't know what they did to me. It doesn't matter. Get under the blood of Jesus because your righteousness is as filthy rags. It's His righteousness that we want. We got to stand in His righteousness, and having right standing with God is awesome. 
The Bible says righteous people get their prayers answered. Woo! So if I'm righteous and when I pray, God's going to answer. Hey. Well, there you are. You're trying to be humble. No, you're not. You're trying to hang on. Hang on what you do. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Come on, none of us would make it if it wasn't for him. Because we can't be good enough. But we're good because he's good. We're perfect in God's eyes because Jesus was perfect. He's the champion. You missed a good chance to shout. He's my champion. That's what you need to say. He's my champion. Say it. He's my champion. I know some of y'all watched football yesterday and yelled at the TV. Go on, don't do that. Play. Get him. Get him. Get him. Like they heard you. Well, God hears you. God hears you. He hears you when you talk. He hears you when you pray. Matter of fact, if you count every conversation you have as a prayer, you're going to tighten up your mouth. Uh, I'm getting them just all over here. It's all right. We're having a buffet today. And so, so Isaiah 61.10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, for my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation, and he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Come on. Hey, hey, do this. Put your robe on. Come on. Come on. Get it on and quit taking it off. Come on. Get that robe on and walk around. I got a robe of righteousness. Come on. Not just a garment of salvation. You know, some people make it to heaven on a garment of salvation, but God wants you to have a robe of righteousness. And every time you do something for him, he puts a little diamond on it and a uh, a gem on it, and, and, and gives you a crown. Come on, look, look, look at your robe. Well, I ain't never done anything, Pastor. Don't matter. You just got a robe of righteousness. And I said last Sunday, if you give somebody a cup of water in the name of a prophet, you're going to get a star of a prophet. God's a rewarder. We don't want to. We're supposed to just go around and, man, people took oaths of poverty, and God don't want you to be poor. He wants you to be where you can be a blessing. You find somebody in need, <coughs> you're supposed to be the good Samaritan. Come on, let me drag, let me get you up on my mule here, and we're going to take you to the hotel. Okay. It's all right. Sorry about that. Uh, let me ask you this. Is it earned or a gift? It's a gift. <laughs> y'all like my grandpa, when, we, when he got gifts, he only got one or two. He's 30 minutes. What do y'all think it is? Come on and open it. I got one too. Oh, come on. It's a gift. And he's there, and you have never opened up the gift. You've never put your robe on. Put your right standing with God on today. Okay? Quit letting the devil talk you out of it. You're no good. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's trying to steal your right standing with God. He's trying to say, God doesn't hear your prayers. So I ain't praying because God don't hear my prayers. Boom, he just got you. Got you. Put your robe of righteousness on. It's a gift. It's a game changer. How you see yourselves and others and everything in life is that through righteousness, if we don't know we're right, then I'm not going to help you because I know you're not right. 
But when I know I'm right, I want to help you and help you into God's righteousness too. Because I'm not offended by you. I'm not upset by you because I got right standing with God. Hey, you can throw mud on me, hit me with an egg or whatever. I still got right standing with God. He doesn't care what's on my skin. He cares what's going on in my spirit, man. What's on the inside of me. And I'm right with him. And you know what? We miss it. But 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And you know what we want to do? We want to crawl in the mud. Oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, forgive me. Come on. It's like we're like a toddler. He stands us up and says, come on and walk with me. Get that out of your mind. But why? Because we've been beat up by sin, hadn't we? Preachers even preached it. Old crooked finger. Ah, you're going to hell. You know, my tennis shoes will melt in church. Well, they were dress shoes. Yeah, you couldn't wear tennis shoes. But. Anyway, what happens is like we're like this prodigal son. We go back to the father and say, hey, I'll be a servant. And what happens is performance mentality. We, how we perform, how we act, we think that if we're supposed to act right, then we get to be right. But you're already right. So you need to quit doing wrong because you're already right. You're already right with God. It's just like, you know, I had some coaches in high school and stuff, and you stupid idiot, why do you throw that ball like that? You know, it would either break you down or you had to toughen up to hear that mess. But God said, come on, stand up here on the rock. You're right with me already. Now, come on and walk with me. And you're like, wait a minute. I got my robe on, and it's kind of kingly. I mean, it makes me feel like I'm, a, I'm important to God because I am. Remember, I'm a treasure. He's made me right. Now I want to live right. I want to do right. I want to do something for him. He's done so much for me. I'm not serving him to get in. I'm not performing to get in. I'm already in. I'm his child. So, so come on, say you got that one so I can go to number two. Did you say I got that one? All right, number two. The ring of authority. Oh, boy. The ring of authority. You got the king's ring on. You got the son's ring on. You know, the, the Bible talks about that you got a tattoo. Now, I said already, it's that. But in the spirit, you got a tattoo over your heart and over your arm that proves you're a child of God. And then you can put on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You feed a child with the gospel of peace. Come on. You got a belt. You got a sword. You look like Jesus when you put all that stuff on. Most of the time, we take it off. Well, I'm not. Come on, walk with Jesus. And, and so let's talk about that uh, this gave the son his authority to back to be a son. Come on, this is the credit card of the family. Hey, well, what gives you the authority to come in here and buy something for Mr. Smith? Because I know him. I'm his son. Look at my ring. I'm his son, here's the ring. Don't ever ask me again because I have authority to purchase and buy for the family. I have authority. Come on, say, we're planting corn on the back 40. I have authority to say that. I have authority. But we don't act like it. Do we let the, the enemy and the world beat us up and we worry and fear and get afraid and we don't take our authority? Uh, uh. My goodness, God gives us authority by His grace. 
And it's possible to be a son and daughter and not walk in authority. Man, we need to be telling the devil where to get off. If there is junk going on in your house, and I'm just talking about little things. You, you, you can't get rid of this cold, can't get rid of that, and this goes on. The washing machine's out now. You need to take some authority, some spiritual authority so you can be sound. Sound, that you can be firm, that you know that, hey, wait a minute. There's too much of this mess going on. Jesus was attacked every, every other page by stuff, but he knew who he was, and he still took his authority. And, and it's all about, the, you know, uh, the, the Pharisees came to him and said, by what authority do you say what you're saying? By what authority? Who gave you this teaching to teach? We went to Jamaica. I took a bunch of kids on a mission trip, and I said, it's very religious there. You wouldn't think so. But I said, we did our skits, and man, it was just rows and rows of people. And I said, if anybody gives you trouble, you send them to me. But I want you to lead people to Jesus, pray for the sick, whatever. And I'm, we're standing there, and I'm watching them. And I'm just getting, and somebody from behind me in the crowd yells, by what authority do you have to be here? And I'm like, man, they asked Jesus that. Wow, we got the devil stirred up. You see? What gives you the right to come down here because I'm a child of God? And I'm supposed to make disciples. Hey, I didn't get mad. They questioned me where I'm from, what I'm doing. So God gives us authority. It's it's, and it's possible for us. In Genesis 41, 42, remember Joseph was in Egypt and he had the dream and he, told, he interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh said, I'm going to raise you up and you're going to be in charge of everything except me. And he gave him the ring of power, the ring of authority. Huh? When Mordecai, Mordecai, uh, when he rose up in power, the king gave him a ring. The ring represents authority. And so we have authority in this life. You can, I don't have authority over you. You don't have authority over me, but I have authority over me. And you have authority over you. Take your authority. Uh-huh. It's because, you know, the devil knocks on everybody's door. And, and we got to be ready. Mm-mm. One of my favorite stories is uh, in Matthew 8, 7, and the centurion said, come heal my servant, Jesus. And Jesus said, let's go. He goes, no, I'm not worthy if you come to my house, but you speak the word. If you speak the word, if you speak the word, and Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Wait a minute, he knew John the Baptist. He knew all those Pharisees. He knew what? That man knew what authority was, how important it is for us to have authority. And in Luke 9, 1, Jesus sends out the 12 and gives them authority to heal the sick. Well, there, and he called his 12 disciples to them, and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Well, that was the 12 apostles, pastor. I mean, you know, they were the disciples. I mean, they, 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 God did that just to, okay, just to give, uh, show them that, that, that they could start the church. Whatever excuse you want to come up with. Luke 10. Then he called the 70 together. Who's the other 58? The people just like you and me who just love God and hungry for God. Want to do something for God. 
And the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face in every city and place where he, he himself was about to go. They're preparing the way. They're preparing the way. And, and you, we're not going to read it for time's sake, but they come back saying, man, even the demons obeyed us when we cast them out and the people were healed and people were changed. Who are those people? Normal people. Just believers who believe God, just serving Jesus, following Jesus. Say, I'm a follower, and I'm a believer. Mm. <laughs> so I heard this, this preacher, uh, and he was talking about that he went ahead for this crusade guy. He preached in different churches in the city preparing the way. And uh, he worked the crusades, and uh, he, they had a place where, where people manifest demons. I know you know, thank God we, ain't, we don't have any of that going on here today because some of y'all, you know, probably wouldn't come back. But we don't have that in America because we medicate people. We do. You go to Africa, South America, you go to Jamaica, you know, they, it's some crazy stuff. The devil's real. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they dealt with the devil. Next page, they dealt with the devil. Turn the page, they dealt with the devil. They dealt with the devil. Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Everybody that came to him that was oppressed of the devil. So anyway, this guy was in charge of a little tent area or whatever where they had people who were manifesting demons. And so he was overworking and they said, hey, we need your help. Go get, go get him because we need him because we got, we got a bad one. And he, they came and got him and said, we got a bad one. You know, and he's walking and he's thinking, man, they, they tell me, to t- I got to take care of this. And he was kind of swelling up with pride. And there he, he walks in the room, and there was this lady, and she had two men holding her arms down. And he hit that door and walked in that room, and she threw them against the wall. And, and, and this is her voice, I've been waiting on you. He went, you know, God's man of faith and power. He didn't know what to do. Because he was full of pride going. He wasn't ready. He wasn't praying and wasn't over that. And all of a sudden in the room, a little bitty voice from a little bitty woman said, Stop it. You stop it. You stop it right now. You come out of that precious woman and you stop it right now. And she walked up to that lady because she was a big tall lady and she grabbed her by the cheeks and said, God loves you and they're gone, baby. And that little bitty woman, he said, save the day for me because I wet my pants. You know, he said. <laughs> I mean, I know, I've read, you know, history of mighty men of God who were the same way starting off. You know, Lester Summerall was tough as nails, and he was in Africa, and the, they're in a hut, and he's with a, uh, oh, anyway, and the door swings open, and, and he talks to the guy next to him, and he said, thank the Lord he's talking to him and not me. The devil, you know, the devil knows your name. Come on. You know, last Sunday we talked about when he shows up in heaven, we're going to say that, that's what put everybody in fear. That's what talked everybody out of receiving Jesus. That, come on, let's don't make him bigger than what he is. You just tell him to stop it in Jesus' name. Stop it. Use your authority. Well, I don't know, Pastor. You got authority. Over demons, sicknesses, everything, oppression. Come on, take it. 
And if somebody gives you permission to pray over them, take it. Pray over them. Number three, the shoes. The shoes of sonship. This is a little bit different. Shoes in the Bible represent rights. R-I-G-H-T-S, rights. We know a little bit about rights. We have a bill of rights, in the, and you know, we know about rights of being an American. You have rights. But how about rights with God? How about, how about taking off your shoes and, and putting on his shoes? Hmm? I, I'm sure this son probably didn't have any shoes because he sold them to eat. But how about putting on some shoes? How about taking your shoes off? And let's, let's look at the shoes of sonship. In the, in the story of Ruth and Boaz, you remember them? Ruth and Boaz, he was a near kinsman. How I many you know there was somebody a little bit more kin to her than him who was, he had the right to marry Ruth. So Boaz went to uh, this man and said, hey, I want to marry Ruth, but you're next in line. Do you want to marry this woman? And he said, no. And he took his shoe off and handed him his shoe. That meant I'm giving up my rights to her. You can have this woman. And this is proof I'm giving you my shoe. He gave up his rights. You with me? How about Moses went up to the burning bush? And he goes, I got to go see this. And he walks up. And the Lord God talks to Moses and said, take off your shoes. Give up your rights. You're going to stand with me, and I want you to listen to what I got to say. Huh? A lot of people want to hear the gospel. They want to keep their shoes on, and I want to do what I want to do. That's the worst ten words. The five words, best five words, Tim's here to tell you, what does the word say? The worst 10 words are, I want to do what I want to do. Take your shoes off and put on Jesus' shoes. You see, there's an exchange that we got to make. Man, that's where the blessing's at. Doing it God's way. Not our way, but God's way. His way's better. Does that mean, no, you can still comb your hair however you want. You can still pick out your own clothes. But he'll tell you sometimes that you need to wear certain clothes. I've wore certain clothes to reach certain people. I had to talk my boss out of wearing ties. In the 80s, we wore ties at our job. And I said, I'm going to a paper mill, and those rednecks down there do nothing to make fun of me. And they don't want to hear what I got to say because they're making fun of this tie I got on, and I'm in dress shoes, and they're in work boots, and, and it's nasty. And so he finally said, go in jeans. If you're going down there that day, go in jeans. And man, woo! See, how you dress will affect people. I'm not saying, but you still have freedom in God. Come on, he gave, he, he gave you a choice to make decisions and do certain things. But shoot, put the shoes on. One more, I really love this one. It's Joshua 5. We'll put it on the screen. In Joshua 5, 13 through 15, Joshua's kind of, while walking, he, he, they made it to the promised land, but they haven't crossed Jericho. They haven't taken Jericho yet. You know where they marched around the city and shouted? And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him 
with his sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Who are you? Are you for us or for them? Look at the next verse. And he said, No. <laughs> but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Who's the commander of the army of the Lord? Jesus. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped him and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? Next verse. Then the commander of the Lord's army said, Take your sandals off, and I want you to do what I'm going to tell you to do. Give up your rights and start following what I say. Take your sandals off your feet, the place where you stand holy, and Joshua did. And you go to, ver to chapter 6, and he starts telling him, you need to walk around this place. You go, the whole city belongs to you, and every man of valor in there, every mighty man, we're going to take this city. But Joshua said, giving up his plan. Well, you know, we could burn it, we could crash it, we could do this, we could do that. You know, you can come up with all kinds of ideas, but you want the Lord's plan. You want the Lord's plan for your life. Take your shoes off. Put his shoes on. Shoes of sonship. We want to wear the shoes. Man, you can't wear my shoes. I can't wear your shoes. I have to do what the Lord tells me to do. And it has to line up with the word. Can't just make it up. Well, I want to do what I want to do. No. I'm just going to live on donuts the rest of the day of my life. Well, I ain't going to live very long. That's funny. It's silly. But people do make those kind of decisions. I want you to say, when he said, who are you for? He said, no. You know what he's saying? I'm here to take over. <laughs> you going to let him take over? Will you let him take over your life? Will you go anywhere that he says to go? Will you do anything he says to do? He'll put it in you, and you'll want to go. You know, when I was a teenager, I'm like, man, I, I'm not going to give my life to preach. God, send me to China. I don't even like rice. I'm not going to China. That's how the devil does. You're going to China. If you surrender, you'll go to China. I don't want to go to China. And I said, all right, finally. I said, all right, Lord. I'm surrendering. I'll go to China. He goes, I never asked you to go to China to begin with. But see, that's how the enemy works. If you know the people that want to go to Africa, Jordan, it's in you to go, isn't it? You didn't have to talk to God and beg about going to Africa. She goes to Africa because she loves to go to Africa. God puts the love of us people in you. That's what's called a missionary. That's what's called our going and do the work. It's, what, do you, what do you love? What's he putting in you that you love? You know, I just feel, man, I, I think God's leading me this. Well, start pursuing it. Start pursuing what God has put in your heart to do. Put on his shoes. Take some shoes off and put his shoes on. Mm-mm. Man, when we put on God's shoes, there, there again, we got authority, power to share the gospel, freedom. So I've been waiting on holding number four. Y'all ready for number four? We're sons and not servants. I've already said it, but we're going to look at it just a little bit more. And back to Luke 15 and verse 25, we're going to finish the story. And this is where he talks to the Pharisees. Okay. Now, the older son was in a field, the Pharisees. 
How many people can be in church and be lost? You can be a son and be lost because you don't know your authority. This boy been wearing the robe of righteousness. This boy had the ring and this boy had the shoes. Okay? But he wasn't using them. And he said, now the older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Woo! Verse 28, and he was angry and would not go in. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know he was righteousness. He didn't know he had authority. He didn't know he had his father's shoes on. Therefore, the father came out and pleaded with him. And he answered and said, Father, lo, these many years, I have been serving you, and I've never transgressed your commandment. I've been perfect. Line number one, nobody's perfect but Jesus, and Jesus still hung out with sinners. Come on. I have been perfect. I kept all your commandments. And the answer said, so, so here it is. And he said, you've never gave me a young goat. Remember when I said, I made you say them, that he gave them, them their inheritance. The older brother got twice as much as the younger. You ain't never gave me anything. You've got everything that I can't even make merry with my friends. A goat. You see how whiny it is? He didn't know who he was. This is a wake-up call for us to know who we are because who's closer to be a fair, being a Pharisee? Us or the world? Us. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I want to love people like Jesus did. Let's look at the next verse. In verse 30, but as soon, yeah, but as soon as the, this son of yours has come, this son of yours, he ain't a brother of mine, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots and killed, you've killed a fatty cat for, calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother who was dead is alive again and lost is found. Come on, you in this room that know Jesus Christ, you are always with the Father, and everything the Father has is yours. Do you know the scripture that says that no good thing will he withhold from you? No good thing. But what, you know, we don't eat that. Okay. We eat what the devil serves. We eat what life brings up. Come on. God wants you to be a partaker of his divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that's in this world, son and daughter, I want to be a partaker of the divine nature of God. We're going back to what has he promised? Everything he's promised. Every good thing he's promised for you. If good things aren't happening, go after it. I always tell the story. We had the, the windows open and the doors open, you know, springtime. It only lasts, you know, for about 30 minutes in Louisiana and then it gets hot again. And we had the doors open and in somebody's dog ran in my house. 
I'm looking at that dog. Uh, my mouth went. I didn't say, come here, Fluffy. Come here. Get out of here. And it ran out. I've never seen it since. But how many we go, come on, devil. It's all right. Come up here and sit in my lap. Come on. All these bad things. I just, that's the way it's supposed to be. Is that what Jesus did to bad things in people's lives? See, Jesus knew who he was. If we know who we are, then we're going up another level. We're going up that we're putting that righteousness on now. We got our ring on now. We got our shoes on now. We can help somebody. We can help somebody. Well, you know, Pastor, I really need this. Then start focusing on somebody else, and God's going to take care of you. When you're focusing on you all the time, you're focusing on all the bad that's happening. Because you know what? I have never let lack of money or lack or me being even sick, I'm going to go do something if God tells me to do it. You know, I'm going. Now, I, I, my calling's different than yours, but you got to do what God tells you to do. I went to jail ministry for five years. Didn't eat lunch with my wife and my kids for five years. Didn't get to watch a football game, you know, from one to three. But you know what? I didn't miss anything. God restored everything that, you know, because I gave him the time. God will tell you and lead you and guide you to start a group here. Start ministering to people. You have a heart for a certain group of people. And don't tell me, well, you already got a group that does that. Well, start, we need 10 of them. Your thinking's too small. If it's just one person, it's worth it. Come on. We're thinking, well, I got to have 40 people. I ain't having a group. You can't handle 40 people in a group. It overwhelms you. Come on, you've got to start somewhere. Somebody told me, I, I, I'm called to Africa. And I'm just waiting on the Lord to open the door. I said, what are you doing in the meantime? I'm waiting. I have never heard you even do a Bible lesson to anybody. And I've never even heard you. You don't do anything. You're just waiting. You're supposed to be getting ready. You're supposed to be preparing inside and outside and start teaching. What would you teach the people in Africa? I don't know. I'm waiting. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on us. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. These two sons, one squandered the grace and went out and left it, but thank God he came back. And the other one was in the house. He's in the church and lost his goose. He, he, he's a son, but he don't, he's not walking in an authority. He's not, ha he's not having any of it. He's serving, trying to be good enough. I've kept your commandments, Pharisee. I've done everything. I've been serving you all these years, and you've never given me anything. It's not about serving. Come on. <coughs> we serve from sonship, not to be a son. See the difference? He's trying to be good enough, both of them, trying to be good enough. It's not about being good enough. It's knowing who you are and stepping up, putting that robe on. Put your ring on, everybody. Come on, whatever finger you like, put that ring on. And put your shoes on. Man, they slide right in. They fit just right. And do what the Lord tells you to do. Because he has a plan for you. Mm. So, so truly this whole chapter is about the Pharisees. It's what it started with. They couldn't stand that Jesus helped sinners. You know how people get mad at me? You spend so much time with so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, they're coming off drugs, huh? I'm trying to help them a little bit. You've been in church your whole life. Why are you upset? 
You, 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 you know every story in the Bible. Why aren't you applying it? See, that was one of the, the things that the Holy Spirit helped me out. You know, I grew up in church, and I knew, I knew Moses built the ark, and just testing y'all. I've seen if y'all listening. I knew David killed Goliath. I knew, I knew Moses parted the Red Sea but with God's help. David killed Goliath with God's help. It's called faith, F-A-I-T-H. They walked out by faith, and, and he lifted up his arms. And If he hadn't lifted up his arms, they'd still been stuck there. If David hadn't took, taken off and, and picked up five smooth stones, huh? You got to start taking the steps. Being the son and the daughter that God's called you to be. It's not too late. Making that phone call who God says to call. Being that encourager. You need encouraging? Encourage somebody else. And you'll feel like, wait a minute. This is pretty good. I need this. David learned how to encourage himself in the Lord. And so we got to help one another and strengthen one another, but we need to strengthen ourselves and run. So we're not Pharisees, amen, that we're overcomers, that we're more than the conquerors. Bow your heads today. Father, we thank you for Jesus, that you just reveal Jesus to everybody in this place. But Lord, if there's anybody in here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, draw them right now. Draw them to you. Reveal Jesus to them. And we'll rejoice as you rejoice when one comes to know you. If that's you, this invitation's for you. Will you give your heart to Jesus today? Now, there are people in here, maybe this kind of rocked your boat a little bit. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're the prodigal son. Maybe you're the one, the lost son that's, that's ran off and you just kind of squandered the grace of God. It's time to come back. You know, uh, a lot of us live under the grace of our grandparents and what they prayed over us and our parents and what they prayed over us. And we think, man, shoot, it's going good. I, I don't need to serve God. I'm good. But you know what? It's time to step up and, and be the, the man and the person God's called you to be. Quit living the way of the world. There's a calling on your life. And it ain't to be worldly. So if the Lord's drawing you back, will you lift your hand today? Let me pray over you. If you want to give Jesus Christ, uh, make Him Lord of your life, first and foremost, I see your hand. If that's you, lift your hand as well.
Pastor Jeff comes, we're gonna look before we look at the screen at the announcements. Let me say this. What you say, what can I do? What can I do? Build your relationship with God. It's called prayer. That's called talking to Him. Prayer sounds so formal. We've got to get on our knees somewhere. Talk to God. Then He'll tell you when to get on your knees. And He'll tell you when you're through. Because you're talking. Not just you talking. But you're talking and listening. It's called communication. You know. My wife's going, do you hear me? Yeah. You're not listening. Yeah. We don't stop to listen to God. We throw up what we need and go, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, but I need. But listen to you. He'll send you on a great journey, a great adventure to help somebody, be a blessing to somebody. But right here, right now, in this service, this is a lesson that I want you, this is what God needs you to do. He needs you to be a believer every time you come to church. He needs you to have expectation for great things that people get saved that people get healed. We've had miracles happen. God wants to step that up. But what if He wants to use you and not me? Well, Pastor, you go ahead. You go ahead, Pastor. No. Because I'm resided that God's going to use you and not me. Because He uses believers, not pastors. The Word says believers. He uses believers to get people saved. He uses believers to lay hands on the sick. He uses believers to bind the devil over Whitfield and over Virginia and over these United States and over India and over Africa. He'll say, I need you to pray for Africa all day today. I want this Africa on my heart. Pray. Speak life over Burundi. Well, we got missionaries there. Wherever God, whatever He leads you to do, start being obedient his shoes on. Are you here? What are you here for? I'm here to take over in your life. I want to guide you. I want to lead you.